Welcome to Business Influencers. Hope everyone is having a great week. If you're new to Business Influencers, you found us here either on our YouTube channel, Spotify, Apple, and of course, the talradio.org website. We greatly appreciate those that, that are getting so much value out of the show. And it's because of you and your feedback that we continue to bring in guests and experts that share from experience and their words of wisdom to help move you and your business forward. Again, our show is being brought to you today by Alumni Direct, a new social media community platform dedicated to bringing alumni together, an opportunity to generate genuine, authentic relationships, perhaps with people you haven't talked to in a while, perhaps they're new people, and a great opportunity possibly to land your next job opportunity or a future business partner. This, uh, this uh, Alumni Direct also offers affinity programs that allow you to tap into a wide array of services that perhaps that you would not be able to get on your own. Check them out at alumnidirect.com. Well, we have a great show today, and I am so looking forward, and we're going to be talking about my last best advice, and we're going to be talking with Paul Hood, and let me give you a little background about Paul. Paul is an author, speaker, and consultant on tax, estate, and charitable planning. He is also is a vice president with Thompson & Associates, a charitable estate planning firm. He is a native of Louisiana, a double LSU tiger, obtained his undergraduate and law degrees from Louisiana State University and with an LLM in taxation from Georgetown University Law Center before settling down to practice tax and estate planning law in the New Orleans area. You know, Paul has got a great backstory, and I'm going to leave that while he's going to talk about that. But again, you'll be able to find out how you can really connect and, and reach out to Paul here later today in any of the areas that he helps so many people and businesses out. And without further ado, we welcome Paul Hood to the show. Paul, how are you doing today? I'm fine, man. How are you? Doing great. Great to be, great to be with you and, and, your, and your listeners today. Thank you so much. Well, we are so honored to have you here with Business Influencers. And I love this thing. You and I chatted briefly. And when we look at our, you know, my last best advice, and you have a story around this about, you know, and I guess this was when you were 36. Let's start there because, you know, with anything remarkable with sharing and helping others to move forward, there's always a backstory. Well, you know, there is. And, and this one was dramatic because it changed my professional life. When I was 36 years old, I was a solo practitioner. I left a law firm, a 75 lawyer firm in which I was a partner and went out on my own. And of course, you know, when you, when you do that, you know, you're, you're essentially an eternal optimist. But I knew that I was going to be successful because I knew I was a good estate planner and, uh, and I already had enough clients to keep me busy. And of course I did great. But one day I get a phone call from a financial advisor and said, Paul, I got this lady, you know, she's 93 years old. Uh, she's got a lot of money. You know, most of it's going to go to charity because she doesn't have kids. She never married. And, uh, but um, I'm worried about her uh, uh, vulnerability to her nieces and great nieces and great nephews, all of whom have designs on her wealth. Um, uh, would you, and she's never done any estate planning at all. And she's 93 years old. Uh, she said, would you, would you help her? And I said, well, sure. I'm happy to help her. And he said, well, the only rub is um, 
she don't come to New Orleans, um, uh, and she's and she's she's old. She's ninety three, and she's actually not in good health. Um, and she lives out of town, uh, about 50, 60 miles from New Orleans. Would you drive to her house and, and visit with her? So I, I said, well, yeah. I said I normally make house calls now as it is because most clients are more comfortable talking about you know what's important to them, their estate planning. Uh, in their own homes rather than in your offices and they're nervous about being in your office. So I drive out there and and this is no regular home, Chris. This is an antebellum home, probably had, it was an old plantation home. It was one of the few that, that the North didn't burn down. Okay. Which meant that it was used as, as a headquarters uh, because that's usually what, what the union troops did is they requisitioned the property if they could use it. And if they didn't think they could, they just burn it down. Yeah. So this one was saved. Uh, I think it was, I think the original structure was built in 1786. Uh, it had 17 bedrooms and this lady lived by herself. So I show up and, and one of her, uh, one of her people that worked at the house uh, and, and, and I counted at least five that worked there uh, while I was there that trip. So, you know, he confirms that I have an appointment with her and he, he, he receives me and, and sticks me in the parlor and I'm waiting on her. And, uh, it was about a 10 minute wait and the double doors, this huge, you know, these, you know, 20 foot high ceiling, uh, home, um, and the double doors open up and I see two people, one of whom is wheeling her in a wheelchair. And I, and I immediately think, okay, this is not going to be tough. Uh, you know, you're pretty good with, with elderly ladies. Well, I didn't know Hattie Lee Higginbotham. And first thing she tells me is she is Hattie Lee. And this is not her real name, but, but I will tell you that it was her middle name because she was a very proud descendant of Robert E. Lee. Wow. And she said, my name is Hattie Lee Higginbotham. And I'm from the Virginia Leagues. You know, not Virginia, Virginia Leagues. Virginia. The way they say it there. <laughs> and what she tells me is, she says, Sonny boy, she goes, I'm not here to listen to you tell me how smart you are. Now, I hadn't said a word yet, Chris. Okay. Yeah. She says, I don't have much time left, Sonny boy. And that's what she called me, Sonny boy. Um, and she said, I need your last best advice. And she said, what I mean by that, Sonny boy, is I need your advice that's so compelling, so important that you would impart it to me on your deathbed. She goes, what's your last best advice, Sonny boy? And I want to tell you, I thought I knew everything about estate planning. You know, I was one of the leading estate planners in Louisiana at 36. Okay, so I was pretty good. Well, I had nothing, Chris. It was the emperor has no clothes on. Wow. So I start stammering through an answer and I'm trying to figure out what's important. And of course, you know, the idea of tax savings crossing my mind. I'm like, no, nah, that, that's nothing. <laughs> um, because I also remembered that her advisor said that most of her estate was going to charity, which meant there probably would be little to no estate tax to begin with. So what I did was I eventually stammered on to this answer. And this is what I told her in the end. I said, Miss Higginbotham, I said, your estate planning decisions 
are going to impact the relationships of your survivors. I said, and it can be a positive impact or a negative impact. And, and, and that apparently was a smart enough answer to keep me in the house. Okay. Because <laughs> I got a sneaking suspicion that had I given her a, a, an answer that she didn't think was worth listening to, that I would have been escorted to the door and sent back to New Orleans. And, and, and in the end, I ended up working with her um, until she died. At, she was almost 99. I think she was five days from her 99th wow. birthday. Wow. I mean, her estate was north of $10 million, but there was very little estate tax because about 85% of it went to charity. I figured out that what I could do best for her was to run interference from her expectational nieces and nephews and, and other hangers on that thought themselves entitled to part of her largesse. So, but what I took away from that, Chris, was I'm like, you know, I wasn't ready for that question. And shame on me for not being ready for it. And I said, I need, what are the things in estate planning that I believe are compelling, that are timeless, and that are simply non-negotiable? What are the most important things? And I'm a one-page guy. I love things that I can illustrate, demonstrate on one page, because I believe that when you can boil something down to one page, you understand what you're writing about. And it's very similar to what Abe Lincoln said. You know, he said, look, he said, I, I can I can speak for three days, you know, on a on any topic with five minutes notice. He said, but if you ask me to speak for five minutes on a topic, it's going to take me three days to prepare. And it's just an inverse relationship. So, uh, and like I said, on my LinkedIn, the w actual one pager that I started developing in 1996 um, is there. And, and on my website, paulhoodservices.com, there's a link on my articles page to an article named 32 Core Principles. And I basically expound on my beliefs and philosophies about estate planning. But I believe that that's the way that you become a really good planner and a per what I describe myself as a purposeful estate planner. Yeah. Um, uh, I believe that that's how you do it by standing for something and, 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 and in tax savings has very little to do with it. If anything to do. Well, I love that. You know, like there, there's something there's, it, it's something bigger than just what is being discussed. Like, so I, and I, and that's what it really, really stuck out for me when you shared that story. And so when you're doing, when you're out there talking to people, you know, about this, this is more than just doing business. This is, this is, the, you know, a legacy. This is future. I mean, this is estate planning, right? Exactly. You know, they're going to be long gone at that point, but, but they're going to have either a spouse, children, grandkids, whatever. This is, this is, you know, something that, that again, it's got to be what's really important to them. And there's got to be something, like you said, those values behind it. Well, that, that's exactly right. And you see, too often, that is missed. Um, I, I have a model in my latest book, um, uh, Yours, Mine, and Ours, uh, Estate Planning for People in Blended or Step Families, which just came out about two weeks ago. Um, but in the book, it, oh, I think I'm going to pay a Roman numeral 13 up in the introduction. <laughs> 
this model of what I call the bricks and mortar of estate planning. And most estate planners stick to the bricks. And the, by bricks, I mean the, the quantitative tools and techniques of estate planning, wills, trusts, powers of attorney, uh, you know, pay on death accounts, uh, joint tenancy, you know, all the techniques that, that, that we use of property transmission. But I spend most of my time on the mortar side because I got to tell you, if you construct a, a you know, let, let take a state planning out of it and you just got a bunch of bricks and you stack them, but you don't mortar those bricks together, those bricks are going to tumble on the least tension. They're going to all fall down because the mortar is what holds the bricks together. Yeah. And, uh, you know, by mortar in estate planning, I mean the things like intergenerational communication, which is if I had to give anybody, you know, uh, advice about, you know, what do I do in my estate plan? Well, the first thing you need to do is you need to, to have an honest discussion and a, and a give and take with the people who are going to get your estate. And not only the people who are going to get your estate, but the people who think they're going to get your estate, but who are not. Um, one of the biggest tragedies, Chris, in estate planning is people don't do what I just told you that they should do. And what ends up happening is, you know, I've had grown men, I mean, who were very successful, worth tens of millions of dollars, and their leaders in their community literally break down in, and I was usually in their offices and start crying in front of me. And these are proud men that, I mean, this don't happen to them in public. I mean, you know, they're the Kings of Carnival in New Orleans and, and, you know, they're, 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 they're leading people. And, and it was usually over what their parents did in their estate plans and their parents were worth, you know, in one case, um, my client was worth north of 50 million. His parents' estate total with four kids was $200,000. And they left him 25,000 and they left the, his three siblings the balance of the estate. And he and his parents didn't tell him why. And $25,000 meant nothing to him, okay? Yeah. In, fact, in fact, if he'd have gotten his full 50, it wouldn't have meant anything to him either. Yeah. But but it meant everything to him because it's not about the Prince of Pal. It's about the Prince of Paul. Mm-hmm. And uh, I call it the love scoreboard. What you get in a will often is interpreted as a barometer of how much you were loved. Yeah. These guys were both convinced that their parents didn't love them as much. And I told him straight up, I said, I have trouble believing based on the childhood you've told me about that your parents loved you any less than they loved your siblings. I said, the tragedy is, is that they didn't have one communication with you, whether they wrote you a letter that you only got after they died or they told you up front that they didn't think you needed the money and that your siblings needed it more. Uh, and and let's say one of your one of his siblings, you know, had a tr- had a a, a a child with autism or or, or or some some other you know real serious disease, you know, they said, well, you know, they need it more. And had that conversation happened, these people wouldn't have been carrying around um, because one of them had cut off relations with his siblings, 
Because like I told you what I told Hattie Lee, you know, the, his parents' estate planning decisions affected the relationships and in, in his case ended the relationship with his siblings and, and basically cut off his access to his nieces and nephews. You know, you see families, you know, where aunt, the word aunt and uncle is now used as a pejorative, you know, that's SOP. <laughs> aunt and uncle, it's, it's no longer family, you know, it's outlaws. Yeah. So, um, so from that standpoint, uh, it, it's a real, it's a, it can be a real serious thing. Yeah. Wow. That, that, I mean, you, you just really gave some valuable points about this. And I can see people that are, you know, in your business, you know, you know, you know, they'll probably be hearing this going, my God, you know why? That's why he really stands out in terms of uh, how he connects with people. What would be some other things that you could share from that experience, Paul, that, that what you had and, and how it's like really, you know, changed. Well, I mean, in this case, this happened, you know, how it's changed the course of how you go about connecting and doing business with people. Well, you know, the communication piece, the intergenerational communication piece is just huge because you see what happens, Chris, is when someone doesn't get what they expected or in the manner in which they expected to get it, yeah, their brain goes to a place that I call the parade of horribles. Mm. And they envision a worst case scenario, and there's usually a bad hat. Yeah, in the place, somebody is to blame, you know. And, and what ends up happening is either either family relationships are blown apart, or in some cases, people are so upset that they actually sue and they end up in court. And uh, and 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 that's rarely a good thing. You know, people say, well, you know, you know, there, you know there's you know, just a greedy rich family, you know, fighting over over money that they didn't that they didn't earn. Um, uh, so, you know, you have that. So the, the, the intergenerational communication is, is critical. Um, trust another part of the mortar, you know, having fiduciaries in your estate plan, trustees, executors uh, that have some trust. But, but you build in, and this is another piece of the mortar, checks and balances in the estate plan. Because, you know, Lord Acton was right. Power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Mm -hmm. And you build in checks and balances in the estate plan, whether you give people veto powers over certain things or, or, or you give them the right to remove the trustee and replace them with another institutional trustee, for example, um, there are lots of ways, you know, in a family business, let's say it's a blended family and they've decided that the stepmother is going to be, you know, the boss, uh, or the nominal president of the family business, but, but her stepkids are working there. Um, you want to make sure the kids have employment agreements so they're not at will employees so that the, the step parent can't fire them. Cause you know, we've all seen that happen. Um, and usually it hurts the business and, and, and indirectly or, or ultimately directly the step parent. Um, but they're, they're too blind uh, to see that when they pull the trigger on firing their stepson, uh, who's actually a pretty good administrator of the business. Um, so um, checks and balances are critical. Uh, making sure 
that you're in control of, of your estate planning. Um, too many people try to abdicate control to their lawyer and how they end up doing, how they, they invite the lawyer to do it. And you say, well, how do they invite the lawyer to take over their process? Well, it's usually something like a question like, uh, and I'll ask them, well, what do you want to do? And what would you like to accomplish? And, and then, then when they say, uh, what do everybody else in my situation do? And that gives too many lawyers the license to sort of shove them into a category um, uh, based largely on the size of their estate and, uh, and not fashion the plan to fit the family's unique circumstances. Mm. Um, so what ends up happening is a lot of times those lawyers will draft plans um, that do what you know the lawyer thinks they need done. The client either doesn't read them or reads them and says, that's not what I want. And they procrastinate. And some lawyers have a real problem. They have no problem getting clients to meet with them and to draft their documents, but they have real problems getting clients to sign them. Um, I did some clinical research with psychiatrists uh, about 25 years ago and um, in estate planning, which is, which is a little different uh, because of the, the, the legal ethics rules of, around confidentiality. This isn't done often, but we got all the right permissions and everything else. And I identified uh, and my and in the uh, the blended family book, I, I go yeah. into the twelve distinct fears that people can have in estate planning. Wow! And most estate planners think, oh, he's just fearful of, of thinking about his own death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fear of mortality, but that's just one of the twelve fears. They actually fear us too. Yeah. Well, you you've given some really valuable wisdom and. And I, you know, I'm looking forward to uh, continuing this conversation. We're going to have you back on this show again, and that you have just shared some valuable insights. We're near the end of the show, but I wanted to be able to give you time. I want to be able to have the audience that's listening now, that will be listening later. How can they reach out and get to know you? But more importantly, you're getting to know them and how perhaps you might be able to help them. Well, put it this way. Uh, my website is pretty simple. It's paulhoodservices.com. And my email is paul at paulhoodservices.com. And I get emails from people all over the world. And, and, I'm, and I'm really good about answering them pretty quickly, uh, usually same day. And, uh, you know, if I can help people, Chris, I, I do. And because I love, I don't do this for any <laughs> reason, but to help them. Help people. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, we, that's what I love about how we connected, Paul. You know, it's based on shared values. It's about serving others. When you give without expectation, you receive without resistance. It comes back. And uh, you're it's definitely- been that way my whole life, Chris. I love I it. I live in abundance because I give, I give from my heart freely. I love it. Well, we want to thank you, Paul, for being here and taking time out of your schedule to be with us. And we want to thank you listeners each and every week joining us here, the Sustainable Success Way. Again, you, this show is, wouldn't be where it's at if it wasn't for you. And we're here committed to bring in experts and guests, sharing from experience like Paul did today to help move you personally in terms of your success, as well as your business forward. So until then, we will hope everyone has a great weekend. And we hope that, again, we see you next week at an, another show time 
and have a great one, everyone. Talk soon.